Welcome, true believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here's a man whose hairy face makes him look like a werewolf, my shaggy friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Uh, I'm a, my ba- I hurt my back a little bit, but I'm pretty good. And yes, I do love a good full beard. That's that's the best way to go for me. Would you say through these first 80 podcasts, you've always had a beard? I, I have had a beard for at least 20 years now. <laughs> Since I could have a beard. So, yes, absolutely. Shocking news to the listeners who now are slowly building an image of you. <laughs> listeners, I apologize if you had a vision of Eddie, you know, clean shaven, but that's just not the case. I'm sorry. Um, no. Speaking of people who are not clean shaven, we're going to be talking a little bit about werewolves today, Eddie. All right. I think we're actually going to do werewolves in the Amazing Spider-Man when we get back to issue 124. But after covering 123, the storyline actually continues in Marvel Team-Up 12 and then goes into the Daredevil issues. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It's an odd turn, but I'm ready for it. I'll do the title and the credits and you can read the summary. Does that work for today? Sounds great. All right. From August 1973, Marvel Team-Up 12, Spidey and the Werewolf together in Wolf at Bay. Story by Len Wein, script by Jerry Conway, art by Ross Andrew and Don Perlin. Spidey's swinging on the Golden Gate Bridge when he's attacked by a werewolf. Peter's on assignment from the Bugle to get some pictures of Daredevil and the Black Widow, who have been spotted in San Francisco in the hopes that this will get his mind off Gwen's recent passing. After Spidey's hairy adversary is knocked into the bay, he goes to a local diner for some grub. Eddie, did you see the reference to Larry Talbot? I saw that, yes. A dated reference. Did you happen to look that one up? I did. That is the original Wolfman from 1941's movie titled The Wolfman. So very appropriate. Good job, writers. Uh, Listeners, if you didn't read this book, which is almost every single person, the book starts off with a flashback and then it goes back and forth a couple times in the beginning. And I've heard that flashbacks are lazy writing, but I want to say I think it works well here. I like that they get into the action and then they flash back to the bugle office, which sends Peter on the assignment, and then they flash back to the battle. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. Eddie, any comments on that? I, I also thought it was a, a one of the best flashbacks we had. And is everyone ready for uh, J. Jonah's sympathy? Um, I know you're the J. Jonah expert voice, but on this one, he says, no, hold on, Parker. I know why you want this, dash, dash, the death of all your girl and all dash dash but the bugle is not a public welfare service (laughs) this is him asking you to go to san francisco thanks for the sympathy jay jonah yeah this is going to be a very short run of sympathy and gwen is going to fade away book by book rather quickly the only thing in the beginning of the book i want to mention is that uh i think you and i both had something to say about his order at the diner uh i noticed that he ordered milk with his burger <laughs> and your comment was this i swear is peter parker actually a midwesterner you know i live in the midwest uh, after having not lived here for quite a while and i am refreshed to have a glass of milk at every meal so i thought you're going to comment on the fact that the burger was on rye <laughs> well the burger is on rye which is a unique a unique bun i would say choice for uh, peter maybe revealing something about jerry conway and what he likes with burgers <laughs> well If you've been listening to us talk about this book, wondering what the heck's going on, that's what we were thinking too at this time. But Eddie, why don't you wrap it up and then we can talk about what this purpose of the story was. Peter is attacked in the burger bar and when the werewolf is defeated, he turns into Jack, a human, who tells a story of being 
uh, hypnotized by a campy magician named Moondark. <laughs> Spidey and Jack return to the theater where Moondark last was and find him. Jack reverts to werewolf form, and when Spidey gives Moondark a two-footed kick, they both disappear into the mists of passage. Oops, <laughs> says Spidey as he reappears on the Golden Gate, and Moondark disappears into the bay below. So much going on at the end here. First of all, and he's not a burger bar. This is 1973. It's literally Ben's Diner. Just wanted to clear that up. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you for it. Um, and when he's in there and he's being attacked by all these, uh, he's being attacked by the werewolf and, and people don't care at all. And I'm thinking, how can, how can Peter Parker be getting roughed up in the middle of a battle and, and all the people are just walking around like zombies and not caring. And I realized, oh, I'm in a Marvel team up, not in an amazing Spider-Man issue. That's when all craziness starts to come out. And um, I knew it once I saw there was a, a magician involved. So um, I also pointed out there was a quick ending. Another, another staple of all the Marvel team ups is it takes a long time for them to build up what's going on in the story. And then by yes. the time they set it all up, they go, okay, time to wrap this up, folks. Like the way that we do sometimes when I'm running late on a podcast. <laughs> And so the magician is controlling the citizens of San Francisco because this was a little lost on me here. Not all the citizens of San Francisco, just just the ones, the ones in the diner, then. the ones who attended his show. Uh, see, it was funny at first. I thought this was like a, a slight to the average Californian seeing weird things and being like, whatever, <laughs> you know, from a New York, a New York comic. But um, it, it's true. They were all hypnotized are we gonna say that's what happened to jack here when he becomes a uh, werewolf too <laughs> yes and spoiler alert but there's gonna be yet another hypnosis in marvel team up within an issue or so the same theme of someone shows up and hypnotizes all the people which we saw for the first time back in amazing spider-man 16 eddie Ah, uh, yes, with, it had to be the ringmaster, right? Yes, and uh, you remember that somebody was not hypnotized, and that was our good friend. Daredevil. Right, so who we'll be talking about in just a little bit. But this book here also has uh, a new character, which is this werewolf who, if we haven't made it clear, he's not a villain. He's just a character who happens to be hypnotized, and we have time to include his entire backstory as well, and that he runs along with his sister and his sister's boyfriend, I think, and they're like a little crew. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on who this werewolf character is, but just that they wanted to sell his book. They brought him into Marvel team up, and maybe you'll be interested in following his adventures now. Oh, interesting. Well, thank you, James B. I I'm ready for a sponsor if there's one available. Eddie, Ben's Diner in San Francisco has been serving up burgers on rye since 1907. It's the place to be if you want to order without small talk. Our patrons won't pay you no mind whether you order milk with your hamburger or you get attacked by a werewolf. Uh, producer BJ Cosmo says, all my catering is done with Ben's Diner via Uber Bellhops, of course. Mention this ad and receive a free corn dog muffin appetizer. Ben's Diner. We serve more than cold fish. Wow. Well, thank you for that, James B. I, it seems a little risky for the average person to go in there to get hypnotized, but another good sponsor. I don't think you get hypnotized going to Ben's Diner. I think all the people who were who had been hypnotized at the show happened to be eating at the diner. Like you said, the patrons of San Francisco, apparently, 1973 outfit in the <laughs> diner. So that's why they don't have a lot of small talk. It's like, if you want to go somewhere and not have to worry about like, oh, it's noisy here, just go to Ben's Diner. 
Well, all right. Seems like a not great place to hang out, but I'm ready to talk about Daredevil instead. All right. Let me tell you guys the title of this one. This is from September 1973. It's Daredevil and the Black Widow. That's right. We're doing a Daredevil issue, but the story continues here for Spider-Man. So we have to go to this book next. And it's called Daredevil and the Black Widow 103. Then came Ramrod, story by Steve Gerber, and art by Don Heck. Spidey has followed Daredevil and Black Widow into a San Francisco mansion. We see Daredevil hide some papers in a safe. A um, little aside here how Daredevil wishes he had X-ray vision instead of his other superpowers. I, I just thought it was interesting that a superhero would be like, darn, I wish I had a different superpower. Yeah, it would um, be more ironic if he said, darn, I wish I had vision. <laughs> Well, Peter knocks on the door for an interview with Daredevil, but it is soon interrupted by Ramrod, destroying the house and ripping the papers out of the safe. Outside, he quickly defeats Daredevil and Black Widow. Minutes later, Daredevil and Black Widow are fine and swing off to find Ramrod, while Spidey quietly follows. So Spidey does introduce himself as Peter Parker in the story for a moment because he's going in there to get this interview. They talk to him, but then when Ramrod comes in, you know, he can't leap into action because he's Peter Parker. Agree? Yes, correct. But one thing that they do cover in here is Peter in his thought bubbles in the Daredevil comic tells the audience that he does remember his situation involving uh, the death of Gwen Stacy. And, you know, they're keeping it going. They're not shying away from it. And I appreciated that. Yeah, I, I think it's important to reinforce that, of course, she's actually dead. You know, we discussed that at least I was hesitant to really embrace it since things happen in Spider-Man. This isn't, you know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, it really is reiterating Gwen's not coming back. No, he handles it very well, which maybe too well, but at least they bring it up so that she's not forgotten. Well, we get Ramrod's backstory of being saved from an oil rig accident by being turned into a steel bone cyborg created by two mysterious characters. As he finishes his monologue, Spidey steals the box of papers out of his hand and Ramrod gives chase. Daredevil and Black Widow show up to distract Ramrod, but he eventually catches up to Spidey. The trio eventually get Ramrod to fall off a tall building, and we see Peter catching up to Daredevil and Black Widow for an interview at the end. Uh, this near-death sequence of Black Widow. Did you see this, James B.? Ramrod's got her. Uh, why don't you remind me? Um, so pretty much there's two hilarious things that happen here. Um, Black Widow and Daredevil are kind of chasing Ramrod around the skyscrapers. And the first one, could we say he was playing possum here, James B.? <laughs> Because Black Widow is shooting her sting at him, and Daredevil and Black Widow are like, oh, his face is is the weakest part of him. Keep attacking his face. And Ramrod's like covering his face, and Daredevil's like, he, we've staggered him. Don't let up. And then he just up and smacks Black Widow. And she goes, it was a ruse. <laughs> and she gets knocked out. So uh, Possum possum is back. And then he's, he's holding Black Widow over this edge of this building. And <laughs> Daredevil's like, easy, Ramrod. Stop right there. And then he says, a little later, like two seconds later, he says, how could a box of papers be worth a human life? And he just drops Black Widow because he's like, the papers. You made me forget to go get the papers from Spider-Man. So... Right. If Daredevil hadn't mentioned, don't forget you're after these papers, 
you might have held on to her. Right. <laughs> Black Widow seems to have the ability to occasionally fly through the air, just like we've seen her Amazing Spider-Man, of course, just like Spider-Man and Daredevil. Yet here, when he drops her upside down, she doesn't have the ability to throw her little whatever she does to swing through the air. I, I, I understand it as she's knocked out here. She's not conscious. So it, it seems like it's going to be the end because oh, when he whacked he, her, he, he whacked her, her out. Yes. Yes. Good punch to the face. Thank you for the clarity there. (laughs) No problem. Anytime. Also, just for the listeners, when Ramrod gets dropped, he thunks into the ground and his legs are sticking up. (laughs) But the comment from Spider-Man is, now remember, he's fallen into the earth. He's crunched through the concrete of of the street. His legs are sticking out like like a man would be sticking out of a barrel. Spidey says, that fall ought to keep Rammy out of the picture Till the cops make this scene. <laughs> so we're just letting you know, don't worry. He didn't die. He's just out of there until the cops show up to take care of this problem. Yep. And the cops are going to be like, all right, Ramrod, let me put you in these quadruple steel cuffs. Like Ramrod's not going to be like, oh yeah, let me go along. <laughs> the cops are not going to be able to arrest Ramrod. Not without the help from them. It's a hilarious comment. <sighs> Unbelievable. <laughs> So, Eddie, I recently read about a villain who had a similar backstory. Uh, do you know who I'm thinking about? Ah, to Ramrod. Are we? Are you referring to the Smasher here? I am not thinking of the Smasher. Really? Nope. I am thinking of Hammerhead. Oh. Because it's somebody who was picked up off the streets and replaced part of their oh, damaged yes. body or whatever with, um, you know, metal. Because Hammerhead can use his head the way that Ramrod can use his whole body. Interesting. I, you know, that is exactly the, the same kind of backstory. Um, yeah. Other than this is not a like a surgeon. I, I felt like it was Smasher, kind of in how <laughs> Ramrod talked and how he kind of moved around. <laughs> and like he's he's been hired by these two guys to go get these papers and he's on like a mission, kind of like how the Smasher was destroying all things Raleigh when he was smashing things. So Very true. It's sort of like if you had a combination of uh, Hammerhead's abilities and the Smasher's intelligence. <laughs> You'd have Ram. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's just some hilarious things about Ramrod. That whole, like, backstory we got about him. Apparently, it was just him sitting on the top of a building, holding these papers he has to bring to his bosses, out, telling his backstory out loud. Because when Spider-Man shows up, he goes, do you always talk to yourself this way, Rammy? <laughs> And I'm like, what is this? What is this guy doing? Just monologuing by himself on the top of a building, I guess. And well. um, he, he leaps, Eddie. Yes. He can leap all over the place to keep up with any of our heroes. Basically giving him an advantage over Spider-Man who needs webs or Daredevil who to needs swing. to swing from his club. He just leaps. No problem. Yeah, it's He's true. A- Handholds. Well, that there was the other thing. Handholds. He crunches his hand into the building too, like the smasher. Smasher. So, I just don't understand the correlation of when I came to. I wasn't in a hospital. Uh, these guys had replaced every bone in my body with steel. <laughs> Therefore, you can clearly leap, Eddie. If you replaced every bone in my body with springs, I don't know if I could leap. <laughs> if you replaced it with steel, I don't know if I could walk. I I can guarantee you would not be able to walk. So they must have had, I guess that's the cyborg part of Ramrod because they say that he is part robot too. Oh. When they're talking to him. Well, I, 
look if you, if you have it, the issue available to you if you look at page 18 yes uh, the first couple things it, you can help me with this part it says you okay. you're spider-man and then spider-man says really does it show that badly and he <laughs> says you think you're funny well well see buster and then what does he say can you read that last part Sorry, i can go Andy. anywhere you can like this <laughs> and then what wh- how what's he doing he's just leaping right yeah, I guess so. I, from building to building, I mean... The- and Spider-Man's like, you know, he's kind of like, I can do anything, you can do better. And Spider-Man's like, yes, but you're clumsy, I'm not. And he's like, but I can crush you and you can't. And then Daredevil <laughs> says, that's terrible syntax, Ramrod. <laughs> what is this? this is so Marvel team-up. But it's, it's Daredevil. Goofy. It's Daredevil's book, right? <laughs> no, no. I mean, really, it feels uh, like another Marvel team-up issue. But like, it's it re- so Yes, goofy. it does, doesn't it? Yeah. So goofy. Um, anything else you want to talk about in Daredevil 103? Uh, I just, there's a little reference to Natasha talking about the bosses um, selling heroin. And I know we had Harry come off as LSD, you know, drug induced stupor. And I really thought oh, they can say like heroin. They're, they're going to use heroin in Daredevil because that would be a better drug for, you know, Harry to be stuck on, to be really having a hard time with, I feel like. So I wonder oh, if well. when the drug uh, people reached out to Stanley back to do the Harry issues, I wonder if they specifically said, please do LSD. Oh, interesting. And he had to kind of write around it oh. where here, oh. nobody reached out to, um, you know, Gerber and heck and said, Hey, you need to do this special drug related yeah. themed issue. Eddie, when this issue oh. ends, um, I was like, well, we're done. And then I, I, I couldn't help. I noticed at the very, very end, it said, next, the incomparable menace of the man called Craven the Hunter. And Eddie, I went out and read 104. Um, do you want to tell everyone the title of the next book? And I'll just do a little bonus of what, what I read about. Sure. From September 1973, Daredevil and the Black Widow 104, Prey of the Hunter. Story by Steve Gerber, art by Don Heck. And this is brief, but... Craven the Hunter is hired by the same person who hired Ramrod, known simply as the man. Craven turns down $100,000 to kill Daredevil. He wants to do it for free. When Matt returns from his legal storyline, uh, he finds Ivan, who seems to be like their Alfred Butler type guy um, in Natasha's home, uh, tied up and a message to meet Craven at the zoo alone to battle for Natasha. After rescuing her, Daredevil and Natasha search all week for Craven, but they don't find him. He ambushes them at a party. He defeats the widow, and the book ends with him holding Daredevil over a cliff, about to toss him to his death. And I said to myself, why am I not super interested in reading Daredevil 105 compared to the way I feel about reading Spider-Man? And Eddie, it kind of reads just like a Spider-Man book. It's the same year, it's the same era, it's the same villain, Uh but he's not a teenager. He has a job, he has money, he has a solid relationship. None of those things are a problem. And maybe that lack of conflict is why he's not as popular as Spider-Man. I guess we could say it's just a different kind of vibe with Daredevil. I I don't know if it's super fair to compare them because they have different problems, I guess. Um, But... Yeah, you're right to a certain extent. I I do miss, I don't think we've gotten in Spider-Man a lot of the like precocious teenage vibe we got early on. 
uh, in these last few books. So true. We haven't recently had him have to go through these types of problems because he's been so into Gwen, but there was time when he was bouncing between women and there is a lot of time when he has money problems that Daredevil never seems to have. That's true. Cause Daredevil is a lawyer in this situation, but you know, Spidey situation would be like, Oh no, I forgot to take photos. Oh, what am I going to do now? And meanwhile, Daredevil sort of like in the middle of some big legal case. There's never a money. <laughs> there never seems to be money issues, well, at least in what I, I know of him. <laughs> well, I guess that's that's not Daredevil's main problem. Daredevil has other issues. In fact, um, you know, I read this book kind of briefly, but he does discuss how he is trying to operate through the legal system to um, benefit basically the innocent or the underrepresented uh, who go to court. And I think this is much, I don't know as much about Daredevil, but this is far more dangerous for him in comparison to the underworld. Since like he's battling these villains both at night and in the day, whereas Peter can just be like, I mean, Peter, any time could be like, I'm, I'm going to take a break. I don't want to be Spider-Man today, so so be it. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that's why Daredevil's not Spider-Man, and they can both coexist in the universe. <laughs> I do like seeing Craven. This is this is fun, and I think it's an interesting dynamic to have Craven and Natasha fight because she refers to him as comrade, and it just reminded me that they're both Russian, you know. And I, this is one of these ones where I'm like, can, can you guys sit down and kind of talk this out? But can we go back to the biggest problem in this book, James B? Um, <laughs> is it that Craven's offered one hundred? thousand dollars and he just goes nah i'll do it for free dude do not even get me started on this i i couldn't believe this when i read it because this is the craven hunter that i know and love not the one that was hired by the green goblin to go fight spider-man a most obnoxious kind of character change i think there has been thus far in spider-man so and he just blows the hundred thousand dollars off it's just uh it's a million dollars in today's money, too, by the way. Disgusting. I know. A million <laughs> bucks. <laughs> nah, not interested. <laughs> it's disgusting. It's terrible. I'll do, I'll do a crime for free. I'll, I'll go face, I'll put myself in jeopardy just for the challenge of it. Yeah. Well, that's what the way you should have always been, Craven. None of this taken, you know, $30,000 from the Green Goblin. And I think he took a bribe from Jay Jonah at some point or was interested in doing so. Much smaller than that. Garbage. Ugh. Well, I think I fixed our email problem. We're not getting so much spam. All right. Why don't you tell people they can find us via email? Email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Yeah, seriously do it. I mean, I think we've gotten four emails in like six months. Come on, people. <laughs> Listen, I've been emailing some of my podcasts. You can email this one. That is exactly what I was going to say. Uh, up until I had a podcast with you, James B., I had never emailed a podcast. So I guess we need to encourage our listeners to form their own podcasts. Then we will get emails. <laughs> I will say that I'm happy that some of them are definitely uh, going on to iTunes and giving us stars because we've been creeping up there lately and you know, trying to get ourselves to you know, 100 uh, five-star ratings. And 
we're we're almost like one per issue right now. We're right around 78 and we're recording issue 80. So, you know, we're, we're keeping pretty good pace on that at least. Yes. Every person who would like to listen to Let's Read Spider-Man in the world should know about Let's Read Spider-Man. So help. thanks for helping us out, everybody. Also, since we have a little bit of time, Eddie, we're now the uh, fourth rated Spider-Man podcast you should listen to according to feedspot.com and their top 20 Spider-Man podcast. From number four. It's good. I, I, I never would have thought ever. So <laughs> I guess... Well, it's a combination of all of our efforts, particularly yours, James B. Thanks for manning most of our social media. Yeah. You're <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, it's time to wrap things up. I'm James B. Joined by Eddie. And remember, listeners, if you want to get a job done with Craven, you might have to pay him $100,000, but he might just do it for free. Unless you're the goblin, then he needs his money. Or, um, unless, he doesn't really do it for the goblin. Sometimes he might just not give you the money. He might just give it back to you. Or, or I guess for the thrill of the hunt. Well, unless he's working with his uh, half-brother, the chameleon, he might do it for the Russians. Or if he has a problem with Natasha, he's just going to go after her, maybe? Well, if he's working with the Sinister Six, he might want to fight in a certain <laughs> order. But in that case, you just have to get the note from him and run away. He probably just needs to train more with his pet tiger. So, oh, his pet tiger sometimes is the bigger problem. That's really Zabu, right? No, but that's the other guy's pet yeah. tiger. That's Kazar's pet tiger. Bye. Goodbye. Eddie, okay. what do you think of these books? Uh, I, I mean, Daredevil is a mystery to me. I really never read Daredevil to this extent so to see him like hanging out with natasha's and she's I mean, like big part of the issue too i mean her name's on the cover it's not like they're gonna break up be like oh we broke well, up right yeah <laughs> well we've had so many covers that are deceiving so no i mean her <laughs> I name is it's that. literally called the book is called daredevil and black widow i'm like oh, it's, that's, that's the title of the book even though it looks like it's daredevil's book it's written like like captain america and the falcon right like that's spider true. spider-man is not called amazing spider-man and the prowler that's not like they're a team they're doing their own things and running around the issue it's he's by himself he's a solo act yeah spider-man doesn't work with anybody particularly the but, gibbon we don't need that guy unless you were a teenager uh back in like 1981 when i was like 11 years old and you turn on the tv and your favorite solo hero spider-man is fighting with his amazing friends that's right Eddie. they made a tv show in 1981, they're in for like three seasons. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I have, I have no idea what you're talking about, James. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Eddie, you can Google this later. So, Eddie, now I can play Eddie trivia with you in the post-credits here. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, this is nearly impossible to do. You'll see why. So, Eddie, they decided to team him up with two people. Okay. okay. All right. So, they lost the rights to one of the people because they wanted to team him up with <laughs> So they created a character instead and gave the character a similar power and a backstory tied to a different group of heroes. You ready to play? Here we go. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Um, you need to think, first of all, of a group of superheroes that might be popular in 1981. We have three guesses. Um, the Avengers. Uh, that, is not the, that is not the correct answer. So you have two more guesses. The X-Men. It is the X-Men. So Ooh, okay, they okay. wanted to use one of the characters. They said, we're going to use one of the X-Men. 
<laughs> Who is the most boring X-Men? Uh, you have three guests. Most boring. Oh, man. Boring. It's got to be Cyclops, right? Uh, controversial topic there. Everyone's <laughs> There are some Cyclops stands. Nope. Nope. Uh, not Cyclops. I'll give not you a Cyclops. huge hint. Uh, we have encountered this X-Man. Bobby, Iceman. Correct. Right? That's so, that was going to be my guess because they're similar in age, right? So, correct. So Bobby sense. Drake is in there, and there's oh, one more now. This character only existed on the TV show, but was modeled after someone else similar in age to Spider-Man. Who is the typical similar in age Spider-Man character? Are they associated with the X-Men or just outside no? It's that? it's no the clues. most popular character to throw with Spider-Man throughout everything you and I have ever talked about. Ever. Oh, the Human Torch! Correct. They did not get the rights to the Human Torch. They, <laughs> they created a girl called Firestar. Oh, wrote okay. her in. They drew her to look somewhere between MJ and Marvel Girl. Uh, that would be um, Jean Grey. They gave her like the red hair and everything. Uh, <laughs> said that she was part of the X-Men. And slapped her in there in 1981 and said, let's pretend that um, Firestar and Bobby Drake went to ESU. And they're like living at the school and they're like, what are we going to do? And then Spider-Man meets them. And I believe the powers and their secrets are all like revealed to each other who they are. Because they move in to Aunt May's house because she's trying to pick up some tenants. It's on Disney Plus, Eddie. Oh, what am I waiting for? (laughs) Um. You have, other, you have better things to do. 